Well, at this time, our elementary, middle, and high school students are dismissed to their classes. Well, our first scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Hear now God's word for us. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Before I read our second scripture reading, I just wanted to say a brief word about our upcoming sermon series that begins today. And these two passages I'm reading are kind of the bookends of our, our sermon series. So we read the first opening verses of Hebrews 11, and then I'm going to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 12. Well, what comes in between is what we sometimes call the Hall of Faith. And it's a long list of Old Testament heroes of the faith and how they lived and obeyed and trusted God demonstrated through their faith. And so over this next few weeks, over the summer, we're going to dive into a different Old Testament hero of the faith week by week and see what we can learn from them. Well, so once we have gone through all of that, then this is what follows. Listen now for our second scripture reading this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I know we're just a couple weeks away from the annual 4th of July Peachtree Road Race. Any Peachtree runners past or present here in the house? Couple of you out there? Um, the peach tree is really one of my favorite races. I absolutely love everything about it. I love seeing the costumes, the tutus, the centipedes. I love hearing the st inspirational stories like, did you hear last year, Betty Lindbergh, 97 years old, completed the peach tree. It's incredible. I want to be like her when I grow up. Um, but there's so many parts of this race that is just exciting and inspiring when you're out there. One of my favorite parts is when you go up what's called Cardiac Hill, do you know what I'm talking about? Where you go past Piedmont Hospital and then the Shepherd Center, where all the residents there are out lined up in their wheelchairs cheering you on. I get weepy, I think, every time I pass them. And then there's the joy of just seeing people you know. Somebody might pass you that you know, or somebody's waving at you, calling your name as you're running along Peachtree Road. And it's just this fun event of like bringing the city together with so much energy and excitement. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if life were a bit like the Peachtree Road Race, where every step of the way you feel cheered on and encouraged as you go? I, I, I think that'd be incredible. Well, some of us have had people in our lives who have been these type of cheerleaders for us. As we think about Father's Day today, some of us have dads that have been that kind of person for us, who have stepped into our lives, who have showed up at ball games, who have encouraged us to become the people we are today. 
And as Pam mentioned earlier, for others, sometimes that person was not the person that was there to cheer us on. Maybe we've had other father figures, or we've had other mentors or teachers or people in our lives who have supported us and believed in us and encouraged us. And it makes a difference, doesn't it? Well, the encouraging part of our message today is that the writer of Hebrews says that we all have these type of people in our lives. We have what is called a cloud of witnesses. This is the imagery used here is as though it's a heavenly arena of people who have gone before us. We don't know what that looks like, what kind of knowledge they have of our lives, but their faith has gone before us and they now look down on us and inspire us with both the way that they've lived to encourage us to carry on in the faith Today, we're surrounded by this crowd of heavenly spectators that want to encourage us to move forward in our spiritual lives. That's this cloud of witnesses. And like I mentioned, every week this summer, we're going to learn from one individual and see how they navigated the life of faith. And what I love about this series is that, and about the Bible in general, is that these heroes of faith are actually ordinary people, just like you and me. In fact, a lot of them made mistakes, very even b giant mistakes in their lives, yet they're still included. They're not perfect, but they're included in this list because their faith helped guide them, and their faith is what can teach us how we also run the race with perseverance. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about faith. We use this word a lot. What is faith? A lot of times when we use the word faith, we use it interchangeably with belief, don't we? So you ask somebody about their faith background, kind of what, what is your belief system? What are those kind of um, things that you ascribe to as you navigate your life? Well, the, the ancients, that as we looked through this passage in Hebrews, what they were commended for was not simply a list of doctrines or a list of things they believed. Rather, in their lives we see that faith is a living, an active trust in God that guides us. It's an active and living relationship and trust in the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to look at three different aspects of faith that these ancient heroes were commended for. And the first is this. They had a forward-looking faith. We just read in the opening verse of Hebrews 11 that faith is confidence in what we hope for. Faith hopes for things. And when you hope for things, it's because they haven't happened yet, right? They're things that you want to happen. Faith is something that helps us anticipate God's goodness in the future, even when we're not there yet. Faith tells us that the place where you currently are is not the place where you will permanently reside, no matter what that is. And this is particularly encouraging when we feel stuck in those seasons of life that feel like they will never end. Faith says what I am experiencing now is not the end of the story. And these ancient people, they believed this. They believed that there were better things ahead because God had told them so, and they believed God's promises. The writer of Hebrews says some of them didn't even get to experience the fulfillment of that promise. It happened later in life, but they trusted God through those dark seasons and followed him regardless, believing looking forward in faith. Well, does this mean that their lives or our lives are always going to be smooth sailing or that all of our things that we want are going to be tied up in a neat little bow? The answer is absolutely not. But what it does mean for us is that as we live by faith, that we learn to trust that God's presence 
and God's goodness will always go with us into our future, no matter what we face. We will never be alone. I love what the Bible commentator George Guthrie says about the faith that the ancients were commended for. He says that this confidence of things hoped for is best described as calm courage. I love that. It doesn't say you necessarily need to have a fearless or bold courage, but rather a calm courage, an assurance that God is with you and goes before you. Could anyone else use some more calm courage in their life? I know I could. Well, a second aspect of faith that these heroes of faith were commended for is grasping an eternal perspective. It says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And what we can't see is all that exists in this eternal realm, all the inner workings of God's kingdom. Now, I think there can be some confusion when we start to talk about eternal life or an eternal realm. What does this mean for us? A lot of times we think, oh, this is when we die one day and go to heaven. That's, that's eternity. That's far off. But that's actually not a biblical perspective of what, it, what eternal life is. Listen to what um, the writer, the Gospel of John says about eternal life from John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life breaks into our lives the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, the moment we acknowledge that we want the Lord to lead and guide our lives. And grasping this kind of eternal perspective on things means that you start to believe, even when you cannot see it, the reality that God is with you. In your darkest moments, you dare to believe that God has not left you, but is rather sitting with you in your suffering. And one of the most hope-inspiring, I think, aspects of this eternal perspective is that we choose to believe that God is at work behind the scenes in those moments. When we cannot see it, we choose to believe that God is on the move and that there's a bigger picture somehow that we cannot see yet. Eternal life also reminds us that we have the hope and assurance that one day when, God, when Jesus returns, there will be a complete restoration of all things when God's kingdom comes in all of its fullness. But in the meantime, faith propels us forward to grasp this eternal perspective in the here and now and that we choose to believe that God is on the move. Well, third and finally, the faith that the ancients commended, were commended for shows us that faith recognizes God's power. Hebrews 11:3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. We worship and follow a God who created everything, this vast and complex universe that we live in, by his spoken word. His power is that great. So let me ask you this. When is the last time that you were in awe of the power of God, perhaps by looking at God's creation? For me, this always happens whenever I see the ocean and I just hear the crashing of these waves. Somehow just the majesty of God's power washes over me. Maybe for you it's the mountains or seeing something like the giant sequoias or the Grand Canyon, and you're just overwhelmed with that sense of awe. I encourage you, maybe this summer as you are traveling or on vacation somewhere, just take a few moments to, to soak in the beauty of God's creation and remember God's power. 
that this is the same God that walks with us, the same God that we put our faith and our trust in. Well, Hebrews 12 tells us, as we learn from these different Old Testament heroes of faith, from their forward-looking faith, for their ability to grasp an eternal perspective, and their ability to cling to God's power, we're then encouraged to run our race with perseverance, which is a little easier said than done, isn't it? Well, several years ago, I decided to make one of my life goals come true, and that was for my entire family to run a 5K together. Some of you know I was a cross-country and track runner, and this was always a dream of mine. So what better time of life to have this dream come true than when your kids are seven and nine years old, right? Well, so in fairness to me, it was the name of the race was called the Mama Bear 5K, and it happened on Mother's Day weekend. I'm like, this, is, this was designed for us. We have to do this. And my daughter Ellie at the time, she was doing um, what is called Girls on the Run. There's this little running program at her elementary school. So I thought, perfect, Ellie and I can do it together, and we'll just kind of leave the boys to fend for themselves. Well, what I didn't realize is before the race, Ellie decided to taunt her little brother by making him a bet. And she said, if you beat me in the race, I'll give you $10. Well, unbeknownst to me, this is all going on behind the scenes. And that gun goes off, and Connor takes off like he's been shot out of a cannon, running the 100-meter dash. He goes sprinting down the straightaway, around the corner, up this hill, and then proceeds to collapse on the sidewalk. So the rest of us, we get to Connor. He's now laying on the ground. If any of you know my son, he was quite dramatic, especially at a younger age. And he's moaning. He is like making audible moans, laying on the ground. So Ellie and I pass him together, and we leave Joe to, to take care of that. <laughs> so we proceed to run our race. And to this day, if you ask Joe about this event, he will tell you it was one of the most miserable experiences of his entire life. Connor moaned and complained and whined the entire rest of the three miles that were left of this race. And he said at one point he thought he would call an Uber to come pick them up. It was that bad. But then he realized there's only about a half mile to go, so he would just tough it out to the end. But at the end of that race, I, oh, I wish I could go back and pull out my camera to snap a picture of their two miserable faces when they crossed the finish line, because it was a sad sight to see. Um, needless to say, that was our one and only Family 5K. Did not quite um, get the photo finish I was hoping for, but uh, we learned a lot from it. Well, many of us, like Connor, we can get pretty inspired to start things off well, can't we? But finishing well is another story in our lives. And the life of faith is a journey that requires perseverance. It is not easy to persevere. It's not easy to persevere when life gets tough in particular. And Hebrews 11 gives us these heroes of faith to, to motivate us, to help us keep running the race of life. And then Hebrews 12 gives us the instructions that the way we keep persevering is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. As a former runner, I can tell you the one thing I tell my daughter all the time is she's now a cross-country runner. I always say, look ahead. Look ahead at that next person that you want to pick off as you go. Keep your eyes looking forward. And that's what the life of faith is. It's looking forward. It's looking forward to anticipating God's goodness in the future and fixing our, eye, our eyes on Jesus step by step as we run the race of life. Well, we chose an image for our series that I wanted to show you. I think it's up there. An image that will remind you of what it looks like to live by faith. I love it because it looks like the hand of a parent holding the hand of a child. Walking hand in hand with the Lord, 
as a child holds on to their parent in trust, in confidence, and with that sense of security that they're never going to let you go. I know a lot of us may have children, or maybe we're aunts or uncles, or we're a grandparent, and you've held on to someone's hand that you love. Why do we do this? There's a lot of reasons. When they're little and they're toddling around, we want to offer them some support to, to help them keep going, right? So they don't fall over on the ground. Other times we do this so we don't wander off. You're at an amusement park or something, you hold your child's hand so they stay with you and they stay safe. Crossing the road, we want to protect them. We want to show them the way to go. Other times, a child might reach up to their parent for reassurance when they're afraid, right? They want to hold on to someone that they know will be there for them. And I love this image because I think that's the image that we want to have when it comes to faith. Sometimes we're reaching up to, into the hand of our Heavenly Father, asking for guidance, help, or support when we need it. Other times, the Lord is reaching down to us to grab our hand and remind us that he's never going to let go. Well, last week I was out in California visiting my sister and my adorable little nephew that we call FJ for Fritz Jr. Some of you know it's a long story with his name, but we finally got a name. He's almost two and he is just adorable and he is usually fearless. He's climbing on everything and you know, just loves to do all, everything at the park, the high slides, all these things. Well, my sister told me they live right near the beach and he's, she's only tried to take him into the water at the ocean one time, and he was absolutely terrified. So she never went back. So it's been a whole year since they've been to the beach. So she decided to try it again when I was there. And so we went down to the beach, we wheeled FJ down to the sand, you know, down the long walkway, and each of us are holding his hand. He immediately puts his toes in the sand and freaks out. Not, not a fan of this sand stuff. So slowly but surely, um, I decide to go down to the water and show him how fun it is to put your toes in the ocean as the waves are coming up. It kind of looks like, okay, maybe a little bit, but not so sure. Slowly but surely, my sister holds his hand and they kind of inch by inch make their way down to the ocean. Well, I think I have a picture up here where you can see the joy on his face as we finally reached the water. It was just pure joy, as you can imagine. I love that picture of his sweet little happy face overcoming his fear and experiencing one of my favorite places on earth, the beach. But I couldn't help but think of this experience in light of the things we've talked about today. That living by faith doesn't mean we need to just charge forward in life, filled with courage and the strength of a warrior. Living by faith does not mean that you just do things with a joyful spirit at all times. Living by faith means that you trust God enough to walk hand in hand, sometimes even inch by inch, listening for God's reassuring voice, talking to God with you maybe as you go about your day, following the Lord where he leads you, trusting that God has promised to always be with you, and believing that there will be better things ahead, just as God has promised. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to live by faith. You don't call us to perfection or to doing all the right things, but rather you call us into a living and active relationship with you, built in trust, and that you have sent Jesus to show us the way. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone today whose faith, um, Lord, is, maybe they're in a place of struggle. Maybe they feel a little bit forgotten by you or their faith has fallen flat. 
Lord, I pray that um, as we reach out to you, Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, that you are there to grab our hand, to take hold of us, and that you have promised to never let go. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.